Today's scripture reading is Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 4. But before we hear the word of the Lord, let us pray. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence any voices but your own, so that we may hear your word and also do it. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome, and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind, with which the waters swarm, and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, 
cattle and creeping things and wild animals of, of the earth and every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the seas, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in His image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the seas and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps upon the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. We have heard the word of the Lord. So um, this week, I was looking at the owner's manual for our dishwasher. I just want to read you a, a small snippet. This this is under the diverter valve. Switch closes momentarily and then reopens as the diverter reaches each potential diverter position. Okay, so that's just plain, like, very simple. Right, it's an owner's manual. It's for the person who is having trouble installing it. And so if there's, on the flip side, there's error codes. And there's this sequence of events that if this is the problem, then you do this and this and this. And if you get another error code, then you go back and you do this, this, in this, it's an owner's manual. So I probably would not go to the owner's manual, print off a copy and take it on a date and try to regale someone with that, right? I probably would not go to the owner's manual to maybe ask or look for questions of how do they make stainless steel or what's the melting pot, uh, what's the melting temperature of metal or plastic or is it best to heat it with propane or some other kind of heating source, right? I would not ask the owner's manual for answers it had no intention of ever addressing. Genesis chapter 1 is not an owner's manual. Sometimes we go to Genesis chapter 1 
and we treat it like it should be an owner's manual. So, but, you know, so we wanted to answer questions about Big Bang and evolution and did you catch that part that God made plants to eat and so therefore vegan or vegetarian is the way to go? Right? So sometimes we go to the Bible, especially Genesis, and we're asking it to answer questions it has no intention of answering. So what is the intention of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2? Well, I think it's very helpful to understand that it's not play by play. I mean, so someone is, is not writing, okay, and observing God do this. I mean, cause then that person would have surely shown up in the passage. Right? You see that? This, many scholars believe that either this was written after the Exodus, after God's people were rescued from Egypt, a country and people who practice polytheism, or it was written after the return from Babylonian captivity, another kind of exodus, where God's people for generations and generations have been surrounded by this idea that, that there's a, a God who controls vegetation, there's a God of the water, there's a God of the sea, there's a God of fertility, there's also a story called the Epic of Gilgamesh. And I'm really tempted to name my next dog Gilgamesh. But there's this myth from Mesopotamia that says that there's chaos and there's a sea monster that has to be wrestled to the ground and that, that out of this chaos comes order. But did you notice in verse 21 it says, uh-uh. God doesn't wrestle. The God that we worship and the God that we serve is strong. It doesn't have to wrestle anything. This God just says it, and it's done. It is a theological reflection. It's intentional, it's creative, it's reflective, and its ultimate goal is worship. So it's intentional. And I can't get into all the details. But for instance, in the first verse, so seven is the number of fullness. Okay? So the first verse in Hebrew has seven words. Verse two in Hebrew has 14 words. The nouns, God, heaven, and earth in verse one are mentioned in chapter one in multiples of seven. The name for God is used 35 times. Earth is used 21 times. Heaven is used 28 times. Those are all multiples of seven. That kind of stuff just doesn't accidentally happen. So a person took time. And many people believe that this was a liturgy that was used in worship. You notice the rhythm. God did this, and he saw it was good. On the next in morning and evening, move on to the next day. The next day happens, and God saw that it was good. There was morning and evening, day two. And did you notice? Did you notice that everything that God fills, creates on days one, two, and three, is filled to overflowing in days four, five, and six? It's amazing. So the idea is that as God's people look out into the world and they see it, they see creation teaching us about God. 
That creation is teaching us, showing us the glory and the majesty and the brilliance of God. It doesn't answer the blistering heat of Big Bang or geological records because that's not the intent. The intent is not to point it at us. The intent of the passage is to point to God and say, look, look at what God has done. Isn't it marvelous? So we see power, as I've mentioned. God doesn't wrestle sea monsters. God creates them. Those are probably whales or crocodiles. You can imagine how startling that would be uh, the first time you saw one. But did you notice that the sea monsters have their life in God, that they depend on God? They are not equals. God is above and God is strong. God speaks and it's so. And God is so powerful with his word that he separates light from dark, sky from land, land from water, and that God fills. I believe around this time last year in a sermon, I mentioned a, one of my favorite Hebrew words. And it's when that, when the writer says that the earth was formless and void. And the Hebrew word is tohu wabohu. I think you want to say that together because it's really fun. It just puts a smile on your face. So tohu wabohu. So let's give it a shot on the count of three. One, two, three. Tohu wabohu. So it's formless. It's void. So what God does on days one, two, and three is he, he gives it form. He gives it structure. And then it was void, meaning there was nothing there. And so what God does on days four, five, and six is fills it up. That the earth is no longer formless and void, but that there's something there and that God fills it with life. And what God says is life, life, more life. We need more of you. He looks at chameleons and says, we need more of you. He looks at giraffes and says, we definitely need more of you. And stars. It's like God keeps on saying, we just need more and more and more. That this God is for life. And that if you're in captivity and you're the one that is the slave, then you look at this and say, God rested and so should we. And you should not be treating us like animals. Because we're not animals. We are the apex of creation. So you see that this is a, a theological reflection that people are saying that you cannot treat us like animals, that we have purpose. We are created in the image of God. Everybody has worth. And then day six, day six, God has created light and water and seas and land and grasses and trees. And God has created you. God has created you. Have you ever said thanks to God for that? Thanks for creating me. Thanks for creating me. Now, of course, it doesn't give us scientific details, does it? No. Just kind of assumes it happened. It happened. So why did God create me? Now, that is the question that all of Scripture is trying to get at. That is the intent of Scripture, is... Why are you here? And why did God create you? That God is not far away. That God has become near. That God has created me. That God knows me. And God wants me to know him. And that just like there is tohu wabohu, externally, that there could be a sense that we feel empty on the inside. 
that we have this kind of internal chaos, that we have this internal void, and that that is where God meets us most of the time, that God comes in and relates to us in Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit fills us. God in all of his sevenness and his fullness comes to me and wants to fill me with joy, peace, contentment, and trust. And then you noticed in our assurance of pardon from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that if any person is in Christ, they are what? A new creation. A new creation. That what God is doing in Jesus Christ is remaking us into the image of Christ. What we should have been before the fall. Isn't that beautiful? That if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, if you just say, oh God, I need you. Simple as that. You are a new creation. That there is such a thing as renewal and revival and starting over. That there is such a thing as a clean slate with God who is gracious and fills all things. This is amazing. So each day of creation, God speaks. So what is the word that God speaks to us to make us a new creation and to fill our void? The word is found in John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1 in the New Testament, that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and was God, Jesus Christ himself. That Jesus Christ is the word that God speaks to you. And that is the power of the gospel, as simple as that, is that God just speaks Jesus. We call it gospel. We call it grace. We're really saying Jesus in a different way. It's Jesus. And that's why on Sunday morning, the hero of every sermon is who? Jesus. That's why we sing songs to Jesus. That's why we sing songs about Jesus. That's why we end our prayer in Jesus' name because Jesus is the word that God speaks and makes new and heals broken hearts and calms anxieties and gives hope and peace and purpose. So that's why for 300 years this church has survived, in my opinion. It's because it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that goes generation to generation to generation. We, the psalmist says, fade away like flowers in the field because that's what created things do. But God, in his wisdom and through his word, speaks eternal life into us. So friends, be filled or maybe more appropriately, realize that you are filled with the presence of God through grace, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And now live fruitful lives for the good of the world and for the greatness and glory of God. Amen. Let's pray. It's really hard to know, God, how you created something out of nothing and that you created everything in that way um, and that you created us. It seems like we're the only species that kind of know what's going on. And we thank you for that privilege of knowing one another, of knowing ourselves and knowing you. And I pray, God, for any heart, any soul, any person here today who just feels empty, who needs to be filled, who is worried, anxious, who perhaps questions if you are close to them or that you love them or that you even want to relate to them. I pray for them that they would hear the word of Jesus being spoken to them that they are a new creation. 
and that the life that they live, they live with renewed vitality, with new life, because you're indeed with them through your Spirit. So help us to wrestle these things. Help us to walk in this new creation. We thank you for Jesus Christ, for being the verdict, for being the word that you speak over us, that through him and by grace, we are new, and that you are well pleased. And God, as we look at the beauty of the world around us and even the mystery of our own life, we have to say to you, that really you are the one that's very, very good, and you are worthy to be praised. Pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.